Hey friends, this is episode 77 of Faith, Fitness, Joy, Body Dysmorphia. This topic is something that has been on my mind a lot lately, and that's in part because of my own issues with body dysmorphia, as well as what I've been trying to help my oldest child move through at this point in their life. However, I think that this is weighing on me a lot lately because it's something that so many of us struggle with, and I want to raise awareness of it provide some information that could be helpful and offer some support to those dealing with body dysmorphia. So join me in today's episode of Faith Fitness Joy as I discuss what body dysmorphia is and some ways to move through it and overcome it. This is Faith Fitness Joy and my name is Rochelle Renee. Are you struggling to lose weight, love yourself and reconnect to who you truly are? Do you wish for more energy and happiness? Do you seek a deeper connection to God or maybe to grow spiritually? As a single mom working in a demanding full-time job, I felt exactly like this. I struggled with anxiety, depression, and I was in adrenal burnout. I felt like a shell of myself. I was working over 60 hours a week. I was stressed out and spread too thin. I was overweight and I struggled with body dysmorphia. I knew I had to do something really fast so that I could be a better version of me for my kids. Fortunately, I found the way back to myself. I regained my health, I lost weight, I transformed my mindset, and I found healing. Now, my mission is to help other high-performing moms accomplish the same. Faith Fitness Joy is all about achieving health of the mind, body, and soul. If you're ready to lose weight or get fit, improve your nutrition, and step into the happiest, healthiest, highest version of yourself, then Faith Fitness Joy is the podcast for you. All right, welcome to episode 77 of Faith, Fitness, Joy. I'm Rochelle Renee, and today I am discussing body dysmorphia. So in today's episode, I'm going to be discussing what body dysmorphia is, the causes and risk factors of body dysmorphia, common signs and symptoms of body dysmorphia, and impact on mental health and well-being, as well as overcoming body dysmorphia. So... Those of you who have been listening to my podcast or reading my blog for a while know that body dysmorphia is actually what was sort of at the root of what has become sort of my lifelong um, almost obsession with weight loss until maybe the last 10 years uh, as I gained awareness of it myself. And it started for me when I was really young. I was about the age of 10, and that was when I had moved to a new school for the first time, and I started to begin experiencing being bullied about my weight. Um, The bullying that I started experiencing at that time continued from around age 10 until I was about 17 years old when I was a junior in high school. It started with a couple of, you know, the popular boys in my fifth grade class basically calling me fat and ugly. And um, then as I got into junior high, it had escalated to where You know, most of the kids in school were verbally attacking me, and there was also a number of kids that were actually physically attacking me on a daily basis as well. So I was being hit with it sort of from all angles, you know, from girls in the locker room um, making nasty and mean comments to me to boys in PE class screaming and yelling at me about my weight if I missed the ball or something like that. Or kids at lunch, you know, throwing food at me and making mean comments in the quad. 
Or in other cases, I had, you know, girls or even boys that were like pushing me down the stairs or pulling on my hair or just doing all kinds of different things that were, you know, physically attacking me as well. And so it didn't take too long for me to start to internalize all of these cruel words that I was hearing and the physical attacks and all of this that I was experiencing, you know, on a daily basis. And um, because I was hearing this and enduring this daily, by the time I was 12, I was, you know, avoiding my reflection in the mirror completely. I would cry when I was getting ready for school because I didn't like the way anything looked on me or I just hated the thought of even going to school because I knew what my day was going to be like. And it escalated to, you know, suicidal ideation and even contemplation of suicide, um, you know, or how I could end my life all before I was 13 years old. So by the time I was 14, it had escalated into actually like eating disorders. So I that was around the time that I started doing crazy dieting to try to lose weight. So the first thing I was doing was like this low fat diet and I was eating seven grams of fat or less a day. Uh, and I was doing cardio for like 45 to 60 minutes every day. So then by the time I was 15, I was starving myself most of the day, if not all day long. Um, as long as I could go, basically, it was kind of my goal. Um, and it was just a way for me to, you know, keep losing weight or getting, you know, skinnier because I thought that that's what I needed to be. And, you know, even though at that point in time, so I was about 15 going on 16 at this age, I was not eating most days. If I ate, it would be like maybe one time a day and it would be as little as I could possibly tolerate. And um, so by most people's standards around me, I would have been considered thin, but I still saw myself as fat and disgusting at that time. And it was never enough. No matter how much weight I lost, it was never enough. And this continued even into adulthood. So like when I was in my you know, early mid twenties. Uh, I've talked about this in other episodes as well. I was doing like the Atkins diet, low carb dieting, extreme low carb dieting with weightlifting and cardio every day. And so I had gotten to the thinnest uh, and lowest weight I had ever been at. But again, I still couldn't see it. I still saw, you know, myself as overweight and like disgusting when I looked in the mirror and I was still going through these sort of internal battles and all of this emotional turmoil most days when I would be getting ready to go um, to work or wherever I was going. And I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know it until much later, actually, that this was all, you know, body dysmorphia. So let's get into what exactly body dysmorphia is. So a couple definitions for you. The first one is from the Mayo Clinic, and they define body dysmorphia as a mental health condition in which you can't stop thinking about one or more perceived defects or flaws in your appearance, a flaw that appears minor or can't be seen by others. Another definition I uh, included is from WebMD, where they define body dysmorphia as a mental health disorder that leads to distress over your appearance. You may think certain parts of your body are defects. As a result, you may have a psychological distress that can interrupt your everyday life. Now, WebMD goes on to further break down two subtypes of body dysmorphia. 
So the first one being muscle dysmorphia, where this is essentially characterized as like you feel like you aren't big enough or you don't have enough muscle or you're not muscular looking enough. And then there's a second type that they categorize categorize as body dysmorphia by proxy, which is basically where it's like a projection on others. And it's like almost like this obsession with other people, like with their flaws or, um, you know, whatever you might find wrong with their body. So it's like whatever perceptions of someone else's body you might have. Um, So those are a couple of subcategories uh, and the way WebMD defines it. And actually, um, you know, in the time, I've researched this a lot over the years. And if you kind of look back, um, there's actually other um, definitions and categories that you can find um, that break it down even further and have even different categories. So I think body dysmorphia is kind of like this broad term that's used. And, um, you know, obviously these are kind of the uh, more research-based or scientific community type of definitions. Um, But there's also other categories and definitions um, and different terms for different types. Like, so some people think they're too skinny uh, and they don't like the way that they look and they want to gain weight or they wish they could gain weight or they like, you know, if it's a woman, she might want to be curvier and doesn't like the fact that she's not perceiving herself as curvier. Uh, And then there's there's another term for this muscular dysmorphia uh, version where it's like you just never feel like you're big enough. Um, You feel like you could be bigger. Um, And then there's a few other, you know, kind of varieties or iterations of it, depending on what like the sort of obsession is with whatever this perceived flaw that you might have is. Um, So sticking with just kind of the more overarching term of body dysmorphia. So what are the causes and risk factors of body dysmorphia? So also, according to WebMD, Um, it's, they said, and I quote, experts don't know the exact cause of body dysmorphia. Now I read that and like, I honestly just find that so difficult to believe. And I, I just can't help but, but wonder how it is that there's like no scientific studies that have dug into this deeper. Um, and WebMD goes goes on further to posit that it has to do with the size of certain areas of the brain that process information related to body appearance. They also suggest that it has something to do with the fact that people with body dysmorphia also tend to have a, like have major depression and anxiety, um, particularly, uh, they also mention you know, other mental health conditions. So, I don't know. I This seems obvious to me. It's like, of course, there's other conditions like depression or anxiety that people with body dysmorphia would have. I mean, if you're struggling with your body image um, and you're, you're, you know, in your mind going through this sort of whole thing every time you look in the mirror where you're perceiving yourself in a negative light and, you, you know, that would also include all kinds of an inner dialogue that goes with that, then, I mean, of course, you're going to end up having potentially issues with things like depression and anxiety. Like, I I just, I don't know. It just seems like why would that not come about at some point? Um, So anyway, that just struck me that, you know, that it was sort of the way they presented it was kind of like, you know, it might have something to do with, with them also having depression and anxiety. 
But I would argue that that's probably where the depression and anxiety are coming from. Um, I would also argue that we don't need scientific journals to give us a clue as to where body dysmorphia comes from. We live in a society where we are incessantly bombarded with these impossible beauty standards or fitness standards or what it means to be thin um, or even for men, like whatever it means to look like, a, you know, a fit or attractive man, right? It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. We're all bombarded with these um, impossible to live up to standards. And these standards are so impossible to achieve, in fact, that the models on these magazines and the celebrities that they put on the covers of them, they don't even live up to them. Not enough for the people that, that publish this crap because they're, you know, we, I, I don't know, many of you may be aware by now that all of these pictures of these people are photoshopped and they're edited to the nth degree. So by the time this thing hits the shelves of the magazine stand, you know, it's like the, not even what the person actually looks like. Um, and yet this is what we see all the time. And, you know, we, we have the same thing happening on social media you know, people are trying to put themselves in the best light or people are even editing their pictures there or they're getting stuff, you know, professionally done and touched up to look more, you know, maybe perfect than they actually are. Uh, and the end result is that we end up with this, these standards that nobody can actually live up to, yet we are on some level being like getting this message that if this is not what you look like, then there's something wrong with you. Um, so there's that. And then research also indicates that body dysmorphia tends to start in younger years, such as adolescence and teens. So again, there's a very good reason that it's kind of like common knowledge or commonly understood or agreed upon that kids are mean. Um, I mean, I think we've all experienced some kind of crap when we were, you know, growing up and in school, um, particularly junior high. Um, so I'm not really seeing the big mystery here where this could possibly be coming from. Um, when you when we factor this in, you know, realizing that kids are mean and you have also all of this kind of this bombarded with these images in society. So you combine things like entering the formative years where your body is starting to change and you're not really like you're going from a kid and you're starting to change into a man or a woman. And then you're being surrounded by hundreds of other kids that are going through the same thing, many of whom are verbally shredding each other all day, every day. Uh, and then society pushing these images of beauty and fitness standards that, you know, are impossible for anyone to live up to. And, you know, I say you've got yourself a perfect recipe and perfect conditions to breed something like body dysmorphia. So all that said, um, John Hopkins Medicine did list a number of other factors that they believe may contribute to body dysmorphia. And these include things like family history of body dysmorphia, abnormal levels of brain chemicals, um, personality type, and life experiences. And again, I could go on and on about like how all of these things are actually kind of interrelated, um, but I'll save that for another time. Um, but those are just some of the things that, you know, when you look at, when you look up this information that you'll, you'll come across. So the third thing I wanted to talk about is what are the common signs and symptoms of body dysmorphia? 
So some of these include things like constantly checking your appearance in the mirror. On the contrary, avoiding your appearance in the mirror completely or avoiding mirrors altogether. Trying to hide your body or body parts under clothing, hats, scarves, or makeup. Constantly exercising, dieting, or grooming. Constantly comparing yourself to other people or the way others look. Always asking others if you look okay. Um, Having a negative inner dialogue or negative self-talk going on inside, especially when you're looking in the mirror. Um, Avoiding social situations. Feeling like people are always looking at you critically or like if people are looking at you, it's because they think you're disgusting or, or like it's some validation of whatever you think is wrong with you, wrong with you in quotes physically. Um, never being satisfied with how you look in clothing and lack of confidence in your appearance. So again, many of these are noted by John Hopkins Medicine, um, WebMD or other sites that um, you can come across as you're looking into this information but I also added a number of these from my own experience with body dysmorphia and some of the things that I found in my own you know in dealing with this myself Uh, so the fourth thing I wanted to touch on is the impact on our health and well-being of body dysmorphia so earlier I mentioned that there is this seeming consensus that the cause of body dysmorphia is unknown Um, But there's a connection with conditions like depression and anxiety. Again, this seems like a chicken or the egg thing to me. So if you're struggling with body dysmorphia, which research seems to agree, starts at a young age, namely adolescence, then it makes sense that conditions like depression and anxiety would follow having something like body dysmorphia. We also know that one of the risk factors suggested is differing levels of brain chemicals. That was one of the things that was mentioned as a potential risk factor for body dysmorphia. Again, this also makes sense to me, but that's because, you know, I'm taking into consideration some of the other scientific evidence out there about the brain and how our brain and our body works and the mind-body connection. Okay, so when you could take that into consideration that certain feelings or emotions result in our body uh, having a response from the endocrine system and the nervous system, okay? So that means your hormone system, your endocrine system is your hormones, and the nervous system is obviously, you know, your central nervous system um, and involves the brain chemicals like neurotransmitters that are released. So um, whenever we have a certain feeling or emotion, our body will release certain hormones, and neurotransmitters in response to external stimuli such as emotions or experiences which result in emotions. So every experience you have is going to result in some kind of an emotion in the body. And then that's going to trigger this chemical reaction in the body. So when this cycle repeats, let's say it is something more negative that um, like with body dysmorphia, you're creating this neuropathway Uh, in the brain, right? So it's like thought, feeling, hormone, neurotransmitter, right? And the same ones are getting released every time. And it essentially becomes like this automatic process and this automatic chemical response happening in your body. So in order to change it, it requires repetition and conscious effort 
of reprogramming the mind um, in order to create new neural pathways. And that is going to take time and repetition because it took time and repetition to create that that neural pathway that we want to reverse, such as the one tied to body dysmorphia. So it's going to take time and consistency and effort to create a new neural pathway that's going to help us like reverse that. So again, in my mind, looking at all this, it seems more that the body dysmorphia leads to the differing levels of brain chemicals that they're observing when they study people that have body dysmorphia. So if you're looking at this in adults, then at that point in time, that neural pathway has already been created. So you're just observing the result of the body dysmorphia in that person's body and brain um, versus, you know, looking at it from earlier on when it, when maybe it's beginning. Um, so again, I would just argue that perhaps the body dysmorphia is what is leading to the differences in brain chemicals, um, brain, yeah, chemical levels in the brain, as opposed to being a result of differing levels of chemicals in the brain. Okay, so then the fifth thing about body dysmorphia that I wanted to talk about is overcoming it. So if this is something that you struggle with, then seeking professional help with how to overcome it could be a really good option. It may be an important first step to take depending on, you know, what you've tried and the level of, you know, kind of severity, if you will, that you might be experiencing. Um, That said, I would suggest, you know, and emphasize the importance of seeking help for the body dysmorphia specifically um, so that you are able to find someone, a professional that can, that actually specializes in things like this and understands that, uh, the body dysmorphia could be resulting in other conditions like depression or anxiety, um, versus, you know, just kind of seeking the help, the professional help maybe more generally where, Um, You may not get somebody that has that specialized expertise and understanding of the body dysmorphia. Um, So that's one one option um, and one approach is to, you know, look for some some treatment options and some uh, therapy options that could help you. One thing that I've learned in my own journey is that, you know, what helped me to truly overcome it or really start to reverse it is I had to change my inner dialogue And I had to change my mindset. I had to shift my mindset. I had to learn how to do that. Um, And again, this is how I created new neural pathways. And this is how we we create new neural pathways in our brain. And we change our brain chemistry by extension. This takes time and consistency, but it can be done. And in my experience, it will never matter how much weight you lose or gain, like if if you're in the category of, you know, you think maybe you're too skinny and you want to have more weight on you, um, or if it's the opposite where you feel like no matter how much weight you lose, you're not satisfied with your appearance, it's never going to matter if you don't start to look at the inner dialogue that you're having um, about your body and to yourself, uh, because it will just never be enough. Because you're not addressing the underlying mental aspects of what's happening. So you're trying to like treat the, you're trying to treat the physical 
thing that you think is wrong with you, but you're not doing, if you're not doing anything about the underlying mental causes of that, um, you're just going to be chasing your tail. It's like, you know, just a never ending pursuit, um, that will never, you'll, you cannot actually get to the destination. So making a conscious effort to change my inner dialogue, saying affirmations to myself all day, every day, and doing my inner healing work was ultimately the sort of the combination of things that led to making a real difference for me with my body dysmorphia. Um, and that, you know, has taken me a number of years uh, because, again, it, it's it's a conscious effort. But it gets better over time. And the more you do this, um, the the easier it gets. And eventually you start to shift your mindset and you start to feel differently and you start to see yourself differently. The The key is really learning to love and accept your body every step of the way. Um, so if it's a weight loss journey or if it's a journey to try to increase, you know, muscle mass or um, gaining weight um, because you feel like maybe you're too thin, um, you have to incorporate elements of positive self-talk, positive inner dialogue, and learning to love yourself at every stage, learning to love your body at every stage, because otherwise it won't matter um, how much weight you gain or lose. So um, if you need more help with how to do this, um, check out episode 41, How to Change Your Mindset, because I walk through some of the practical steps for how you can do that. Um, I also help... Um, with this in some private coaching settings. So you can always reach out to me at Rochelle at faithfitnessjoy.com if you want to find out how you can work with me privately. Um, otherwise, that is um, what I wanted to share with you today about body dysmorphia, uh, help raise your awareness of it, help with um, maybe becoming more um, aware of whether you may have some of those signs and symptoms and some things that you can do to reverse that so I hope this has helped you gain a better understanding of what body dysmorphia is and the ways that it might be affecting you. Um, I do understand how challenging it can be to not only live with body dysmorphia, but also to reverse it, which is why I have built this into my six-month coaching program um, called Phoenix Rising Initiation. It is a total transformation of the mind, body, and soul. I am currently enrolling for this program right now, so you can reach out to me at Rochelle at faithfitnessjoy.com if you're interested in learning more about that. Otherwise, I am still running my free 30-day training program through the rest of the month of December. Um, so if you are not in there right now, you want to click the link in the episode description to get in on that. We still have three weeks to go. Uh, so plenty of time to get good results and get yourself going on um, the path to a healthier, happier you. Uh, you can also find the link in my bios on social media under Rochelle Renee or Faith Fitness Joy. All right, that concludes today's episode of Faith Fitness Joy. Thank you for joining me today. As always, I hope this has helped you. Um, and if you're not in there already, go get yourself set up in that 30-day training program. Um, and I will see you in the next episode of Faith Fitness Joy. Thanks again for tuning in. so much for joining Faith Fitness Joy today. I hope you found something helpful in today's episode. I would love to hear what you think. So please leave a comment and let me know what you found helpful or what you would like to learn more about in future episodes. 
If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe. You can also connect with me on social media at Faith Fitness Joy on either Instagram or Facebook, or please join my private Faith Fitness Joy Facebook group where I offer lots of great information, master classes, and weekly channel guidance, and more. Check out my blog at www.faithfitnessjoy.com. This is Rochelle Weiss, wishing you health and happiness of mind, body, and soul. Thank you.